Okay, uh, we'd like to welcome you back to our End Time Preparedness Prepper Mega Study Part 2. We're doing good. We're on page 4 of the 43-page study. So I feel like I'm making some really good headway, but at this rate, I'll be done by, like, next Wednesday. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, my daughter was just asking me about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm really plugging away at this, plugging and chugging. So, um, going back to the article. Some of those trapped in their cars will drive out of the area, inevitably knocking down MUY pedestrians and being trapped by even more outraged MUYs. Uh, the, the commuters will be dragged out of their cars and kicked or beaten to death. Other suburban commuters will try to shoot their way out of the lines of stopped cars, and they will meet the same grim fate once they run out of bullets and room to escape. Um, I put a comment here. We have already seen this type of behavior many times on a small scale in America, from the events previously mentioned, and that is when there was no shortage of food and the economy was not in collapse, and things in the U.S. were relatively good. So this predicted scenario should not surprise any of us when things are going to be so much worse than anything this country has ever seen, especially when such a huge percentage of Americans are dependent on the government and more self-centered and spoiled than ever. So, back to the main article. The mob will be armed with everything from knives, clubs, and pistols to AK-47s. A bloodbath will result. These unlucky drivers and their passengers will suffer horribly, and some of their deaths will be captured on traffic web cameras. Later, these terrible scenes will be released or leaked by sympathetic government insiders and shown by the alternative media. I, I you know what? That's not going to be. I don't really agree with that. I agree with that that statement, but you know where I think most of the video footage will come from? The act, the actual flash mobs themselves, because they record this stuff all the time. I mean, this stuff where, you know, and I'm going to give you eight solid pages of links back to back. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not even talking, I'm talking back to back to back with no space between the links of evidence of this, where they'll go in and they'll just deck some guy in a subway or something and just for the fun of it. And just knock them out right there. And just think it's totally hilarious. And then get on the subway and go their merry way. And they're recording it. Well, they're proud of it. They want the world to know. So I think a lot of it's going to get leaked from that standpoint. Just to show how stupid and evil they are. You know, and they, they want to get, you know, they want to get their, their uh, street cred or whatever they call it. So going further. Um, the, this will continue to expand as the traditional media will become increasingly irrelevant. Uh, one of, I made a comment here. That is if the alternative media is even allowed to operate at this point, which I personally don't think it will, as they have been looking for a reason to shut, shut us down for so many years anyway, and the draconian legislation to do so is already in place. There was something up again there today about that, Napolitano, some cybersecurity thing. You know, it's, it's a matter of time. It's, it's a miracle that alternative media has been able to continue to operate as long as it has. And so, now, let's go further. This grim scenario is my analysis of an age-old human behavior pattern. Uh, adding flash mobs and the 2012 levels of racial anger to the old recipe. Early teenage MUYs today are frequently playing, quote, the knockout game. On full bellies. Now, the knockout game is what I just described. They go up and they just pick somebody randomly and they go and they just nail them right in the face and try to knock them out. Okay? And then they record it. And then they post it. So they think this is funny. People don't understand you reap what you sow. You know, what comes around goes around. However you want to try to refer to it as. But you do that stuff, it's going to come back on you. Anyway... Early teenage MUYs today are frequently playing, quote, the knockout games on full bellies, meaning they're well-fed, just for kicks, and proudly uploading the videos. They and their older peers can be expected to do far worse when hunger and the fear of starvation enter in their physical, mental, and emotional equations. The blame for their hunger will be turned outward against the greater society, against, I mean, I think a lot of it's going to go against the white races. I'm sorry, but that's how I see it playing out. And, I mean, what, I mean, what are we going to do, sit here and deny that, that racism exists? I mean, come on. 
It's it's it. You know, it's going to be and and true. The a lot of the obviously white people in the government, senators, you know, Congress, House of Representatives, and these types of things. You could definitely say yes. They've been behind a lot of of the draconian things that have happened to the country. I'd be the first to admit that. Okay, so they're going to blame their hunger will be turned outward against the greater society will be vented at first hand against any non. M-U-Y, who falls into their grasp while they are in the thrall of mob hysteria. That's a whole other subject, the whole mob hysteria. You know, psychology, where, you know, one individual would never do something that they may do in a mob. I think it's a mass, I think it has to do with the mass congregation of devils or fall, and or fallen angels in a particular area where there's there's mass evil going on. There's more evil there, and that evil begets more evil. Whereas individually, they might have never done such a thing. So, these episodes of mass psychology will be referred to as flash mob riots, or, quote, wilding, or some other new name. To gear up for even a single flash mob street riot, city police departments will require an hour or longer to stage their SWAT teams and riot squads in position to react. Ordinary patrol cars in small numbers will not venture anywhere near such rolling masses of hysterical rioters, not even to perform rescues. My comment? This is where our own military and foreign troops already on U.S. soil will come in, most likely. Which they don't really get into that a lot here until more the end. But I think that that... Um, that might be coming much sooner than they're predicting it. We'll see. Those citizens trapped in their cars cannot expect timely assistance from local or state authorities. Even in the first days of the widespread riots, when police forces are well-rested, it might take several hours to mount a a response sufficient to quell the disturbance and to restore order to even one major street intersection riot. In the meantime, scores of innocent commuters will have been attacked, with many of them injured or killed and left at the scene. It will be a law enforcement nightmare to quell the disturbance, mop up lingering rioters, restore security, and bring medical attention to the living and get medical examiners to the dead. And each jurisdiction will face potentially dozens of such scenes, possibly on a daily basis, depending on the city, thanks to the ability for the MUYs to cross-communicate at will using their wireless devices. Meaning they're going to be much more mobile than a law enforcement team is going to be able to do. They're not going to be able to react properly. They're going to be overwhelmed. They're not going to be able to react timely. And that's why these things could just pop up, happen for a half hour, and then they just disperse. And then they go to their next location, or whatever. They have a distinct advantage. The far more difficult challenge for the police is that by the time they are suited in riot gear, armed and geared up to sweep the intersection, it will probably be empty of rioters. The police, with their major riot squad reaction times, measured in hours, will be fighting flash mobs that materialize, cause mayhem, and evaporate in only fractions of hours. This rapid cycle time is a clear lesson taken from massive riots by the immigrant immigrant French Muslim MUYs in their own religious enclaves and bordering areas. In other words, this has already been done and proven it works from a rob, uh, mass mobs rioting standpoint. The American flash mob riot will exist almost entirely inside the law enforcement OODA, which stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act loop. Um, in other words, the rioters will have a much quicker reaction time than the police. Until fairly recently, superior police communications meant that they could use their radio networks as a force multiplier. Today, however, the mob has the greater advantage, immediately spreading word of every police preparation by text and tweet, even in advance of police movement. So they could be monitoring police scanners. They could have people just assigned to do that. And... In other words, getting that intel and said, okay, the cops are on their way, they've been, they've been dispersed, and then the, everything breaks up. Attempts by the authorities to stop the flash mobs by blocking and jamming wireless transmissions will have limited success. It is at this point that the situation spirals totally out of control, as if it wasn't already. The enraged mobs in the urban America will soon recognize that their spontaneous street riots cannot be stopped by the police, and then they will grow truly fearsome. Well, they'll be emboldened, in other words. 
For the police, it will be a losing game of whack-a-mole. You know that game like where the thing pops its head up and you have to try to whack it, and, and by the time you try to whack its head, it's already down and it's popped up in another spot? That's what it's going to be like for the police to try to deal with it. With riots breaking out and dispersing at a speed that they cannot hope to match. The violence will spread to previously unaffected cities as an awareness of law enforcement impotence is spread by television and social media. (laughs) So they're going to know this. They're going to know that there's almost no way, at least in this scenario, that they're going to be able to be dealt with. As violence intensifies and spreads... And in the absence of any visible security arrangements, supermarkets and other stores will, will not be restocked, leaving the MUIs even more desperate and angry than before. The increasing desperation born of worsening hunger will refuel the escalating spiral of violence. My comment, this whole scenario is all by design and fits right into the plans of the elite for America. They do not want law and order, they want order out of chaos. So going back to the article, nor will violent conflict be the only be only between inhabitants of the urban areas and the suburbs. The international record of conflict of tri-ethnic cities is grim, making the old biracial dichotomy formerly seen in America seem stable by comparison. Tri-ethnic would, would in, imply Hispanic, black, white. Okay, they're saying the international record where they have a tri-ethnic city where these types of things break out, is grim. Making the old biracial dichotomy, which would be white and black, formerly seen in America, seem stable by comparison. In tri... Now, here's another thing. Add into this scenario how gangs have absolutely exploded. Gang membership have exploded just in the last five years in these big cities. How they've taken over Huge parts of the cities, how they have their own territories. And add that into it. They're already pure evil, these gangs. You got like the Mexican Mafia and, and MI6 and um, the Crips and the Bloods, and, and you've got biker gangs. You've got all kind of gangs. There's a show devoted to that, and I don't know if I watch it's called Gangland, because there's, there's some inappropriate stuff in the show. But man, is it unbelievable how evil these gangs are? And it's all about drugs and killing and evil and sex and, oh my word. And it gets to the point where they'll just kill you for no reason. Now that's already a huge dynamic in almost every major urban city. And and, and these things are spreading like crazy. That's not even mentioned here. I think those gangs are already, from an infrastructure standpoint, set up for something like this, to capitalize on something like this. Not to say there's not people in there that are, that are not going to suffer, like everyone else is suffering. But they're already set up for this whole mass mob hysteria violence. And they're going to say, hey, get on board with us. This is what we're all about. We've been waiting for this. So that this doesn't even address that part. There's just so many contributing factors to this that we're not even getting into here. So let's go further. In a tri-ethnic city, the perceived balance of power is constantly shifting, with each side in turn feeling outnumbered and outmuscled. Temporary truces, betrayals, and new alliances followed by rapid succession, removing any lingering sense of social cohesion. In the former Yugoslavia, with its Catholic, Orthodox, and Muslim divisions, so we've got a tri-ethnic thing here, comes starkly to mind, well, not really tri-ethnic, but this is more of a religion, the Lebanese civil war between the pseudo-Christians, the Sunnis, the Shiites, and the Druze, raged across Beirut at one time known as the Paris of the Middle East for 15 brutal years. Once a city turns on itself and becomes a runaway engine of self-destruction, it can be difficult to or impossible to switch off the process and return to a normal pre-conflict life. I mean, let's face it, if this stuff starts happening and you see a whole bunch of your friends brutal, brutalized, killed, slaughtered, raped... It's going to be kind of tough for you to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to put all that behind me and we can just be buddies again. 
uh, that's not going to happen for the most part. Okay, so in other words, any type of trust or or whatever that you might have had in, let's say, it particularly like some type of inner city scenario where you have this dynamic going on, you are going to become very, very, very untrusting of other ethnic. This is how the, the average mindset is going to be. Okay, in other words, they're not going to be able to undo all of the horrific stuff that just happened and act like it never happened. And let's just go on and live our lives like none of this ever happened. Um, this is what they're talking about here. So let's go further here. Uh, it's not inconceivable that the United States could produce a dozen Sarajevos, Sarajevos or Beiruts primarily across racial instead of religious divides. Vehicle traffic by non-minority suburban commuters through adjoining minority areas will virtually halt, wrecking what is left of the local economy. Businesses will not open because employees will not be able to travel to work safely. Businesses in minority areas, needless to say, will be looted. Gentrified enclaves of affluent suburbanites within or near urban zones will suffer repeated attacks until their inhabitants flee. Meaning, if you are near one of these areas in an affluent area, they're going to they're come for you and your family and your house and your goods. So they're going to suffer repeated attacks until the inhabitants flee. Radically disaffected minorities will hold critical infrastructure corridors through their areas hostage against the greater society. Highways, railroad tracks, pipe and power lines will all be under constant threat or may be cut in a planned or unplanned acts of raging against the system. The thing I've seen about these mobs that do this type of stuff is typically it's like they'll burn their own stores and they'll burn their own buildings, which like would supply them with, let's say, food or whatever. You know, and then they go out and they and they they move out from that area if it's possible. Normally, you don't see that dynamic in this particular scenario. You will see that. Now, imagine them cutting power lines and stuff. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. I mean, do you want to not have power? Do you want to not have you know running water or sewage? But they get in this mob mass hysteria that where they're just basically demon possessed to the toenails, and they're just all about anarchy and creating as much chaos and havoc as possible. They don't in other words they're not thinking rationally in any way shape or form. They're making their own situation way worse, which then enrages them and gives them an excuse to be enraged even more, I guess. I, I don't really understand it. So, uh Going further, as long as security in the urban areas cannot be restored, these corridors will be under threat. Even airports will not be immune. Many of them have been absorbed into urban areas, and the aircraft will come under sporadic fire while taking off and landing, if they're even able to do that. In the absence of fresh targets of value, blundering into blundering into their areas and still out of food, MUYs will begin to forage beyond the desolated home neighborhoods and into the suburban borderlands. Safe, quote, safe supermarkets and other stores will be robbed in brazen commando-like gang attacks. Carjackings and home invasions will pro proliferate madly. As I have discussed in my essay, the Civil War II Cube, which... I guess you could do a keyword search for that. So-called transitional and mixed ethnic areas will suffer the worst violence. These neighborhoods will come utterly, will become utterly chaotic killing zones with little or no help coming from the overstretched police who will be trying to rest up for their next shift on riot squad duty. I mean, the police are going to be totally exhausted. You know, they're going to be dealing with riot after riot after riot after riot. And again, they've got a total advantage on them, these flash mobs, because of the whole social media texting thing. And so they're going to be like totally exhausted. You're going to be on your own, you know, essentially. If they have not already been deserted their post to take care of their own family. So it's saying um, they're trying to rest up for their next ship um, on riot squad duty. If they've not already, already deserted their post to take care of their own families, which is another huge possibility. And again, this is where I really see the foreign troops come in. And, you know, wholesale killing from that level as well. Because they're going to be given the green light to, you know, take out the Americans. So, 
next part of this article is entitled, The Suburban Armed Vigilante Response. In absence of an effective official police response to the exploding levels of violence, suburbanites will hastily form self-defense forces to guard their neighborhoods, especially ones located near ethnic borders. These ubiquitous neighborhood armed defense teams will often have a deep and talented bench from which to select members from, and they will not lack for volunteers. Since 9-11, hundreds of thousands of young men and more than a few women have acquired graduate-level education in various aspects of urban warfare. In the Middle East, these troops were frequently asked, tasked with restoring order to urban areas exploding in strife. Today, these former military men and women understand better than anyone the life-or-death difference between being armed and organized versus unarmed and unorganized. And again, I'd show you what happens when they disarm a population, which is what they're trying to do to us in America. They've already done this many other places. But, um, you know, unarmed, unorganized uh, usually equals death. You know, I'm not saying the Lord can't protect you. I'm just saying, for the most part, when you disarm a population, you can look at, statistically speaking, you know, Stalin... Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, I gave you that list not too long ago of where they just, once they disarm the population, man, they just come in and it's wholesale slaughter on a massive, massive scale into the millions every time. It's like clockwork. I mean, if you have a wicked, corrupt government and who is literally Satan is at the head, can you expect good things if they disarm the population? <laughs> not really. So this is what we're talking about here. Uh, now, this is a big reason they're wanting to demonize the veterans, too. Because the veterans come back, and a lot of them, uh, you know, they're, they're saying right now, they're the worst ones, and they're going after them the most, and, and if they speak out against the government, and these types of things, and there's tons of examples of this, and they're trying to demonize the veterans, because of this very reason that we're talking about here. Because... These former military men and women understand better than anyone the life or death difference between being armed and organized versus unarmed and unorganized. So that's why the New World Order views them as one of their biggest threats. And that's why they're being demonized. That's why Christian, patriotic, the ones that believe in the Constitution, believe in uh, pro-life, believe in the Bible, they're considered among the worst threats to the New World Order and the United Nations. So, going further, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of veterans currently own rifles strikingly similar to those they carried in the armed forces, lacking only the full automatic selector switch. Their brothers and sisters, parents, friends, and neighbors who did not serve in the military are often just as familiar with these weapons, if not the tactics. Today, the AR pattern rifle, which is a semi-automatic civilian version of the familiar full automatic uh, M16 or M4, is the most popular model of rifle in America today, with millions sold in the past decade. I mean, there's a lot of people that know this is coming. I went to a gun show uh, last weekend. I mean, you couldn't even get near this place. I mean, it was like, I didn't even think I was going to be able to find a parking spot. It took me, I would say, 20, 25 minutes to find a parking spot, just to find one. And then a gigantic walk just to get to the building. People are buying guns and ammo at, I would guarantee you, a record rate. And not only that, but half, the, the, about a one-third of the show was a, a prepper, like a survival prepper part where they had, like, all kind of cool stuff about, you know, storable foods and, and um, uh, ways to cook and... Um, Oh, water purification, I mean, it's so much stuff that it was just amazing. And people are there uh, by the thousands and thousands and thousands prepping for what they know this, this is going to be reality very soon. And there is a lot of people gearing up for this. A lot of people. I mean, they got that whole show on TV now. I haven't ever seen it, but it's called Doomsday Prepper, I guess. Something like that. Um... And people are really, really super big time gearing up for what they know to be coming. So, um, let's go further here regarding the AR 
I believe, uh, the AR rifle. Virtually all of them produced in the past decade have abandoned the old M16's signature carry handle rear iron sights for a standardized sight mount rail, meaning that virtually every AR sold today can be easily equipped with an effective, efficient optical sight, which obviously what that would imply is that with a high-powered optical sight, it would have a much greater distance where you could actually be accurate and fire the weapon. With an iron sight, you're only going to be as good as your eyes, essentially. With an optical sight, obviously you're dealing with a lot of magnification there. Now, there are a far greater number of scoped bolt-action hunting rifles in private hands in the United States. Keep this number in mind based on deer stamps sold. There is a millions and millions and millions of hunters in America that do this stuff all the time, just for fun. They're out there with high-powered rifles. They go out and they hunt. They're practicing. They're they're in, you know, camouflage-type fatigue outfits, and, you know, they live this lifestyle. Uh, approximately 20 million Americans venture into the woods every fall armed with such rifles. So, we have millions of men and women with military training owning rifles similar to the ones they use in combat operations overseas from Vietnam to Afghanistan. Many of these soldiers and Marines have special operations training. They are former military with experience at conducting irregular warfare and counterterrorism operations in dangerous urban environments. They are the opposite of the unthinking robots. Their greatest military talent is looking outside the box for new solutions. They always seek to overmatch their enemies using their own advantages as forced multipliers while diminishing or concealing their weaknesses. These military veterans are also ready, willing, and able to pass on their experience and training to interested students to the civilian circles. Let's return to our hypothetical Florence and Normandy intersection scenario. Now that was where the Rodney uh, the, the Rodney uh, King riots. Uh, anyway, um, but this time, with hundreds of rioters per city block instead of merely dozens. Among the mobs are thugs armed with pistols and perhaps even AK-47s equipped with a standard iron sight. And except in a rare case, these rifles have not been, quote, zeroed in on a target range. Meaning they're probably not even very accurate. In other words, past a medium distance to 50 to 100 yards, these MUY shooters will have little idea where their fired bullets will even strike, nor will they even care. Typically, most of the rioters armed with a pistol, shotgun, or an iron-sighted rifle could not hit a mailbox at 100 yards unless by luck. Inside that distance, any non-MUY could be at immediate risk of brutal death at the hands of an enraged mob. But, beyond that range, the mob will pose much less danger. Meaning, they're not going to be very accurate unless they're right in your face. If you're more than 100 yards away from them, the whatever firepower they've got is not going to be very accurate because these guys, number one, most of them don't know how to shoot very well. They probably never went to a target practice range. They don't have their guns sighted in, uh, that type of thing. Taking this in balance in effective ranges of firearms will most likely be available to both sides. Certain tactical responses are sure to arise, and ranking near the top will be the one described next. The sniper ambush will predictably be used as a counter to rampaging mobs armed with only short and medium-to-range weapons. The extremely deadly tactic was developed by our warfighters in Iraq and Afghanistan, taking advantage of significant effective range and firepower of our scoped 5.56mm rifles. Tactics such as the sniper ambush may not be seen early in civil disorder, but they will surely arise after a steady progression of atrocities attributed to the rampaging MUIs. Now, you could say as a Christian, well, we, we, we don't even need to be talking about this. Okay, well, do we let them come and murder, rape, pillage our families? And other families that are just, you know, basically innocent families? Is, is it good to let that murder happen? Is that righteous? Well, we're going to look at that in a little bit. Street intersection flash mob riots will not be the only type of violence exploding during periods of civil disorder. As mentioned earlier, the number and ferocity of home invasions will skyrocket. 
and they will be very hard to defend against. Neighborhood self-defense forces will be able to protect a group of homes if they are located on cul-de-sacs or in a defensible subdivision with limited entrances, turning them overnight into fortified gated communities. Individual homes and apartment buildings located in open grid pattern neighborhoods with outside access from many directions will be much more difficult to defend, and the home invasions will continue. Now, they're going to go after the easiest targets they can go after. That's the bottom line. Um, you know, I, I, how I view these flash mobs is a bunch of cowards. You know, they want to just gang up, overwhelm, kill, destroy, rob, steal, rape. That's what they're all about. Pure evil. But they're cowards, is the bottom line. And they're going to want easy targets. And that's their mentality. Carjacking and other forms of armed robbery will proliferate to previously unimagined levels, leading to a total loss of confidence in the government's ability to provide security across all social lines. Stray bullets striking pedestrians or penetrating houses will take a frightening toll. Even in areas previously considered to be safe, the police will be exhausted by constant riot squad duty and will not even respond to reports of mere individual acts of criminal Violent criminality. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, they're not going to be able to respond to all the lawlessness. It's, it's just not going to be possible. They will be simply overwhelmed and will be forced to triage their responses. The wealthy, powerful, and politically well-connected will demand the lion's share of the remaining police sources, further diminishing the safety of the average Americans. In that context, neighborhood self-defense forces will form the nucleus of the armed vigilante direct action groups, which will spring up next in the progression. Suburban anger will continue to build against MUIs. I mean, you think the suburbanites and these other people, just say law-abiding American citizens, I don't care what your race is, you think this is going to um, anger people when they see these types of flash mobs, raping, pillaging, killing you know, a lot of times at this point, you know, just for the fun of it, you know, just because they can, because they like it, the suburban uh, anger will continue to build against the MUIs who are perceived to be the originators of the home invasions and the gang level armed looting raids. Survivors of street ambushes, carjackings, and home invasions will tell blood curdling tales and show horrific scars if they're even alive. Now, I've put a little section in here right now on biblical resistance to tyranny. Protection of our families is part of providing for our families. Wouldn't you say that's the case? Okay. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if any provide not for his own house, and especially for those... No, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. An infidel would be like a non-believer, or like almost a pagan or a heathen. He hath denied the faith. Hmm. In the context of this verse, in Noah Webster 1828, defines the word provide, which Noah's Webster 1820 will define the words of the King James Bible more closely in the context of which they were written. Okay? Noah Webster 1828 defines the word provide as to procure supplies. Okay, so that would mean supplies. What would that mean? Well, that could fall under the thing of food, water, medical, uh, anything to provide supplies for your family for normal living. To procure supplies or a means of defense. Or to take measures for counteracting or escaping an evil counteracting or escaping an evil, even if it was for just to get your family out of there so they're out of harm's way, that would fall under this. Or counteracting the evil. Oh, I'm just going to let the flash mob come in and kill and rape my family. That's, a, that's of God. God wants that. I'll just cower in a little corner and into a, in a fetal position and let him rape my, my wife and daughter. That's, that's biblical. Oh, yeah. But I know there's a lot of Christians out there that think that way. I've been around them. I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with them letting them commit 
the most heinous evil against my own family in calling myself a man or a man of God, which would seem to contradict 1 Timothy 5.8, which I just read. But if any provide not for his own house, provide, what does that mean? Procure supplies or means of defense or to take measures for counteracting or escaping evil. If any provide not for his own house and especially for those of his own house, I'm sorry, if any provide not for his own, especially they for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. If you allow them to come in and murder and rape and pillage, you're allowing them to come in and commit sin and break who knows how many, you know, commandments. John Weaver, Pastor John Weaver, did a really good study on this called The Biblical Doctrine of Self-Defense. I give you, the it's a two-part study, I give you the links here on page 7 of the 43-page PDF for this week. Uh, it's excellent. It makes this very, it makes it so simple, this whole subject. Psalm 82, 2 Verse 2 through 5 says, How long will ye judge unjustly? See, God loves just judgment. Talks a lot about that in the Old Testament. How God loves, and when true just judgment departs from a nation, God's salvation tends to depart as well. And God's protection tends to depart. And God's provision, and a lot of things God will actually the Bible talks about in Isaiah where he will draw salvation back to himself. I believe in that particular environment where there is no judge judgment going judge just judgment going on, it's very hard for people in that society to be saved. And there's very few people at this point in America that are actually truly getting born again. I put out tracks everywhere I go. Those new tracks that we got on the on the website and But I've talked to a lot of people, I, like I had talked to my friend not too long ago, and he said, he said his pastor, he says, and himself, when they try to lead somebody to the Lord, the biggest problem they have is getting them lost. Now, we've had a lot of people saved, praise the Lord, on the, on from the uh, contendingfortruth.com, and I'm not going to give the website credit or myself credit, but praise the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's the only one, if the Holy Spirit has to draw you for you to get saved. But you have to understand that you're lost. You have to understand you're a sinner. You have to understand, you know, and you're in need of salvation. There's a lot of people today that don't think that, oh, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I'm better than that guy. And, and you know, my sin, you know, I don't, I don't really think I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a good guy. And God wouldn't send a, a good guy to hell and, or a good woman to hell. And they get into this, they get into this religion of their own making in their mind which contradicts the word of God. They trust in their heart, and the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? You don't trust in your own heart. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool, according to Proverbs 28, 26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. So you have all these people that, you know, but you don't see a lot of people in America in particular getting saved. Truly saved. I've been very fortunate because of the website and because of the opportunity the Lord's had me. I, I haven't, we've had a lot of people saved. But I'm talking, if you're just trying to deal with people one-on-one, and just the average, you know, oh, they'll be more than happy to go to Smiley Joel Osteen's church and hear a little feel-good sermon, and he's preaching on the same thing today. I don't know if you knew this, but him and Benny Hinn both. Creflo, give me a dollar. We're, we're doing a, a four-part thing where they're preaching on the same thing I am today. We're, we're talking about the same subject to really uh, fire our listener base up. I obviously just made all that up. But anyway, uh, could you imagine what would happen? The mass exodus from their churches? They'd probably lose their 501c3 exemption that night. The IRS would come and take it away. Like, you can't talk about this kind of stuff. We're going to take away your 501c3 exemption. You're done. We own you. Lock, stock, and barrel. You can't, you can't talk about this stuff. They have the mass exodus of, of their people. Oh, this this doesn't tickle my ears anymore. My itching ears. I'm heaping teachers after myself having itching ears like the Bible talks about. Oh, I can't have that. I don't, I don't want truth. Speak to me smooth things. Take away this 
holy one of God. Take away this Jesus from me. I, I don't want to hear about his words or what the Bible predicts. That's what the Bible says. So, how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? I would say that that would apply to the modern day pseudo-Christian church in America as much as anything. How many people do they accept that are wicked? Primarily in the pulpits. Lukewarm at best, Satanists at worst. For a Satanist, one of the most coveted positions a pastor. It's the ultimate cover. And where could they do more damage? <laughs> it's well known. You study Satanic doctrine. They don't come out, you know, it's not like they're Anton LaVey and they shave their, their head bald and, the, and they wear, you know, big black flowing things and carry around snakes and, and read from the Satanic Bible and carry Afami daggers in their hands and, and perform blood sacrifices every Friday. It's not like, that's not how they're presenting themselves. They're incognito. They're, they're not, you know, you wouldn't even know them unless God gave you the discernment to know them. It's a big reason the church is in the state it's in, because they've accepted the persons of the wicked. There's no biblical discipline in the churches. There's, you know, anything goes pretty much. We don't judge anything. We judge unjustly. That's the norm. And when you do that, you will accept the persons of the wicked. It will be normal. Next verse. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. So, if you had somebody next to you, living next to you, and they were fatherless, or let's say she was a widower, or some orphans, would it be, would it be godly and biblical for these, just, just let the flash mob come in and destroy the widows and the orphans and the fatherless and these types of things? Is, is that of God? Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Or would it be, would it be just, would this fall under the realm of justice to actually defend them? It says defend the poor and fatherless. Defend. Would that imply protecting them? Yes. What if force came into it? Well, <laughs> a lot of times that's the only way you can defend somebody is to use force. Or to at least... Show force, a lot of times just showing that you are ready to defend yourself is enough to make, to stop something like this from happening. But if you just lay down and curl up in a fetal position and say, oh, come in, big bad men, and do whatever, ravage my family and kill me and rob us and rape us and do whatever, well, they'll be more than happy to oblige, particularly in a lawless environment like what we're describing today. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. This is what God expects. The Bible talks about true religion is this. To visit the widow in her affliction and these types of things. To defend the poor. Deliver the poor and needy. So this next verse, deliver the poor and needy. Not just defend them, deliver them. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Oh, well, that would have a big time application regarding the subject that we're talking about today, wouldn't it? To rid them out of the hand of the wicked? This is what's expected of us. Hmm. Wow. Next verse. They know not, neither will they understand. Now, this would be like the flash mob mentality. They know not. Neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Now, that's what's really coming. The foundations of the earth are out of course. The earth is going to groan and travail, essentially, regarding all this wickedness and sin and blood, innocent blood that's being shed. I thought those verses really, really, really applied to this study today. And again, listen to the teaching Pastor Weaver had up there um, if you need you know, to know more about that subject. Because that's not a subject that you know, you're probably 
hardly ever going to hear preached on. So, going further, the neighborhood defense teams will evolve into proactive suburban armed vigilante groups, or also known at this point as SAVs, out of a desire to preemptively take the fight to their perceived enemies, instead of passively waiting for the next home invasion or carjacking. The SAV teams will consist of the more aggressive members of the self-defense forces, who met and compared notes. Often they will be young men with recent combat experience in the armed forces who will apply their military training to the new situation. Now, one thing I've really gotten convicted of, even uh, got a lot of confirmation I needed to do a study like this, but I really have got a conviction that I need to get in shape. And I don't mean just gym shape, okay? Because I go to the gym and stuff, and I do the treadmill and stuff like that, and, and the weights, but... I mean, in really in shape. So there's a local hiking course around here, and um, I went there. And one of the things that they had a need for is they had all of these um, roots that were growing in this hiking slash cross country course, and. I looked at that and I said, you know what, I'm going to come here and I'm going to take an axe and I'm going to get, I'm just going to go systematically through the course. It's a gigantic job. <laughs> it is a huge, gigantic, gut-wrenching, manual labor job. I realized how out of shape I was when I started swinging that double-headed axe, you know, for, you know, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours at a shot. Oh, man, you talk about brutal manual labor. I mean, I'm redlining the whole time, meaning I am just lungs maxed out like I just got done running a 100-yard dash. I go that I go that hard, but I'm out of shape compared to where I need to be. I really believe that. And I understand this isn't an option for everybody, but we can all do things to try to start getting us in better physical condition. I don't think we honor God, if we're supposed to honor him, body, soul, and spirit. I don't really see how we honor him if we're, you know, mega overweight or totally out of shape. And how are we going to react in the situations that are coming? In this situation, if we're, you know, totally out of shape and, and, and put in a position where, you know, physical fitness may become a big deal. We're body, soul, and spirit, and we're only as strong as the weakest link in our chain. If we're totally out of shape, then that could become a gigantic factor. You might have to be in a situation where you might have to walk with a pack or hike or whatever, and you know, or work, or you know, who knows? But I want to be prepared for that scenario. So I go out there, and it is the dirtiest, nastiest job I have just about ever done. With a double-headed axe, and hack up these roots, and I mean, there's dirt flying everywhere. I am just so filthy when I'm done. (laughs) I wouldn't even want to possibly post a picture of what I look like when I'm done, but I've got dirt from head to toe, totally drenched in sweat, and I've been trying to do that every other day. Go out there, and, and go a little bit longer every time, and push myself farther. And I'm already starting to feel a lot better, physically speaking. Um, Because I tend to be on the computer a lot, obviously, trying to answer emails, trying to do the next study, trying to gear up for that. Um, And and it's, I think what I realize is there's a big difference between being in shape, manual labor, hardcore manual labor in shape, than there is to going to the gym and walking on the treadmill or even if I like walk with weights on the treadmill, it's called heavy hands. And that's pretty hard. You take five pound weights, or I did ten pound last time. And, I mean, that'll get you in pretty good walking shape. But <laughs> I realized it was really different than being really in shape, manual labor type of thing. Tearing up roots, hacking them up, uh, uh, wedging up rocks in the ground, throwing them aside, and, and really going out there and really um, pushing yourself. You will get in shape. 
Now, I understand it's not an option for everybody. I'm not saying everybody go out and do what I did, but I'm saying there's some place you can start where you're going to be putting yourself in a better position where you're going to be able to handle more physically. You know, and, and a lot of times you go to do something like this, you want to stretch before you do it, um, even if you're walking or whatever, and that type of thing. Um, and just try to start strengthening your body and, and, and getting it ready for, you know, you'll feel better, you'll have more energy, um, you'll probably start to lose some weight. I mean, it's all good. It's all good. It's just a matter of disciplining yourself, going out and doing it. And so anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there. So let's go further here. Major intersections and highway interchanges where ambush riots have previously occurred will be among the SAV targets. Now remember, the SAVs are the uh, civilian like defense force things, the people that are banding together. The MUIs are the flash mob rioters. Okay? The SAV reaction times will be measured in minutes compared to hours required by the bloated major police department, SWAT teams, and riot squads. They're going to have a much quicker reaction time if something happens. The government... Okay, so now we get into the government response to vigilantism. Now, I didn't cover every aspect of this article. I covered like more of the high points, but because um, it was extremely long, this article in totality. Where they, will, where they will be unable to respond swiftly or effectively to outbreaks of street riots and by MUI flash mobs, the police and federal agents will respond vigorously to the deadly but smaller vigilante attacks. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? They're going to be overwhelmed by the evil, wicked flash mobs because of their tactics, but the police and federal agents will respond vigorously to the deadly but smaller vigilante attacks because they can't have that. You know, They can't have somebody helping them out or doing something righteous. Uh, these sniper ambushes and other SAV attacks will be called acts of domestic terrorism and mass murder by the government officials and the mainstream media. It's okay for the flash mobs, though. They can do whatever they want, evidently. Uh, and nearly, of course, I don't know exactly what the reporting will be at that time, but I'm going to get into that in a little bit, that subject. A nearly seamless web of urban and suburban street cameras will reveal some of the SAV teams by their vehicles, facial recognition programs, and other technical means. Some early arrests will be made, but the vigilantes will adapt to the ever-increasing law enforcement pressure against them by becoming cleverer about their camouflage, most often using stolen cars and false uniforms and masks during the direct action missions. Now, I know a lot of this stuff is, you know, obviously down the road type of thing. I'm just kind of throwing it in here just to kind of, so we have kind of the big picture. Eventually, the U.S. Army itself might be called upon to put out all the social firestorms in our cities. Eventually. I think they're going to be implemented right off the bat with martial law. But that's the one thing I don't really agree with this article about. I think they're going to become a much bigger factor. Because they want that martial law, military lockdown of the country. Uh, they will... Uh, put out social firestorms in our cities, restore order and security, pacify the angry masses, feed the starving millions, get vital infrastructure operating again. Eh, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I'm not going to give them that much credit. <laughs> I think they're going to be the ones hauling people off the concentration camps. I think they're going to be just as much part of the problem as the flash mobs, most likely. Why? Why do I say that? Because look at our wicked government. A wicked government's planning all this. They're the ones behind all this happening. They know this is going to happen. They want it to happen. So they have the excuse to impose this. So I'm not going to give them that much credit. I don't agree with that at all. I think they're going to be more... <laughs> I mean, obviously, the red and the blue list, the pickups, the the, the, the hundreds of FEMA camps that they've already got manned, or, or skeleton crews that will soon be manned. You know, that stuff is real. So going further, a few hundred active IRA members tied down thousands of British troops in one corner of a small island for decades. The same ratios have served the Taliban well over the past decade while fighting against the combined might of NATO. Set aside for a moment the angry starving millions trapped in urban areas and the dire security issues arising thereof. Just to consider the official reaction to vigilantism separately... It's unlikely that any conceivable combinations of local and state police, federal law enforcement, National Guard, or active duty army action could neutralize or eliminate tens of millions of former special operation troops intent on providing their own form of security. 
millions of Americans are already far better armed and trained than a few hundred IRA or Taliban ever were. It is a frightening thing to crystallize the possible outbreak of mass starvation and racial warfare into words so that the mind is forced to confront agonizingly painful scenarios. It is much easier to avert one's eyes and mind from the ugliness, but in this grim essay I am describing a brutal situation of ethnic civil war not differing much from the worst scenes from recent history in Rwanda, South Africa, Mexico, Bosnia, Iraq, and many other places that have experienced varying types of degrees of social class. In other words, there's a lot of history behind this scenario that's coming to America. Except we've got, for many of the reasons mentioned in here, it could be much, much worse. Most of us wish we could turn back the calendar to Norman Rockwell's America, but we cannot. For that, America has, um, for that, America is water long over the dam, gone from our sight, if not from our memories. John Adams said, quote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So it's, it's in other words, the Constitution <laughs> is not made for this lawless if they implemented it, it would be, but it's not, obviously, in this scenario. It wasn't made for that. So, if that is true, judging by current and even accelerating cultural shifts, we have already passed the point of no return. The prudent American will trim his sails accordingly. Okay, so I said all that to set up for kind of the prepping part of the study. But, before I get into that, I'm going to go over this article real quickly. Okay, and it's entitled, Black Mob Violence in the Media Silence. Big List of Racial Attacks, Assaults, and Threats. Now, again, I'm not doing this because I'm prejudiced or whatever. If I see the Muslims doing evil, I'm going to expose it. If I see the Catholics doing evil, I'm going to expose it. If I see Planned Parenthood doing evil, I'm going to expose it. The gays, I'm going to expose it. So, please understand, that's my motive. But what we're talking about here. I'm going to make no apologies for the eight pages of solid links proving this point. Now, you have to understand, this is when times are relatively good. These people still have full bellies. The EBT cards are still working. And again, you could add in also the Hispanic and the white clashes that are going to happen. But this, I'm not going to apologize for this information because it's based on fact. And again, I'm going to give you um, eight pages of solid links. If you don't believe this is real, you can click on them. These are from local and national news sources. Of course, this isn't being really reported on at a national level. This is being suppressed, this information. And I think it's because they know that this is going to happen and they, and they want to use this sect of the society with these coming flash mobs to do exactly what they're planning to do so that they can take away more and more of our rights and so that we have more mass chaos, mayhem, rapes, murders, and all that other stuff. They're going to use them just like they're using the Muslims now in order to accomplish their goals. And I mean by them, I mean like the elite, the Illuminati, the globalists, whatever you want to call them. So this is, just came out on World Daily Net, and it says America is in the midst of an epidemic, epidemic of racial mob violence, and the media refuses to report on it. In my book, I documented hundreds of examples of black mob violence. Now, the guy that wrote this is Colin Flattery, and there's a link to his website there. Anyway, <clears throat> In my book, I documented hundreds of examples of black mob violence in more than 70 cities, uh, big and small throughout the country. Many of the episodes are on YouTube. I also now you could do you could say, well, why aren't you talking about the like the white supremacists? You, I have talked about the white supremacists before. I have I have got into that subject specifically. Okay, so again, I've, I've reported on all levels of evil where I've seen it. I'm not giving anybody a free pass here. In other words, so. Um, 
this is, uh, he said, I've reported on hundreds of examples of black mob violence in more than 70 cities, big and small, throughout the country. Many of the episodes are on YouTube. I also documented how the media and the public officials ignore, condone, excuse, and even lie about this wave of lawlessness. Despite a growing mountain of evidence, still some deny the problem even exists. We've got to be politically correct, remember? We don't want to step on any toes. Curiously, the same people who deny the problem are always fighting are always the first to explain it away. So here are the links to the racial mob violence throughout the country following the organization of the chapters in my book. Some by city, some by theme, some by racial violence against Asians, gays, Jews, women and others. I followed up many of the links with phone calls and emails to confirm the racial nature of the attacks and the lawlessness. So in other words, this guy's really trying to do his homework. It's not like he's some white supremacist that has this axe to grind. He's trying to just literally report on facts. Many of the individual links are definitive. Treat the others as clues that they are part of an investigative package that helps us determine the racial quality of this mayhem and how public officials and media react to it. Uh, Editors note, some of these links will have images and language that is objectionable. I'm just going to read you some of the headlines here. I'm not going to go through all of them because it's eight solid Pages with no space between them. Of links, you can go to different stories. I have already clicked on some of the links. Um, But these are all regarding this particular subject. Um, And this is specifically of black mob violence, essentially, in this country. Now, I could do a whole other study where I would talk about Hispanic mob violence. Or let's say even possibly white supremacist mob violence. But this is one of the things that is not really being that much reported on a national level. Um, oh my word, I mean, I don't even know where to start here. Women hopes video will help ID attackers. Uh, these are just different stories. Victim doesn't aid an assault investigation. Video police seek witnesses in downtown Savannah fight. Uh, another one, group assaulted, robbed bicyclist police say. Unruly teens keep police busy during celeb- celebrate eerie. Uh, another one, 20 juveniles, 4 adults arrested in Gold Coast ruckus. Another one, man beaten in possible hate crime in Sacramento light rail. Uh, and then it has some pictures here. Ape of, I guess, some of this mob violence going on. Beat Whitey Nights at the Iowa State Fair. Uh, next one, police firefighters shot with fireworks at Riot in Peoria. Next one, Milwaukee violent flash mob attacks group. Um... Uh, next one, delivery man beaten, robbed by group in Wilmington. Chicago police superintendent blames Palin for gun violence. Uh, another one, officials flash mob already plagued South Side. Uh, another one, panic amid U.S. flash mob attacks. And then here's chapter two. This is just in Philadelphia. And there's, I mean, I, I can't read them all. There's too many. Chapter three is the Asian how they're targeting the Asian, chapter 4, where they're having these stuff going on at parties, chapter 5 and 6, Chicago, um, the flash mob at McDonald's leaves behind a Mick mystery, and then teen mob hits Walgreens and Mag Mile. I mean, it's just one story after another proving what I just talked about. Because if they're going to do this when times are good, then can you imagine... When times are bad and the economy collapses and the EBT cards stop working and the welfare system shuts down, I mean, it is going to be unlike anything this country's ever seen. Another chapter on Milwaukee. Uh, I I can't, again, I'm not going to read all these. It's just back to back to back to back. Another chapter on Iowa. Uh, Another chapter, two chapters on Minneapolis. Chapters, by that I mean there's links with each chapter, I guess this would correspond with this book. One, uh, another chapter in New York, one on what happened on the 4th of July, I guess, across the country, one in Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Uh, mob beats, robs, and strips a tourist on St. Patrick's Day in Baltimore. St. Patrick's Day violence exceeded initial reports. Uh, call for crackdown on black on white terror. Uh, Downtown mobs, what police call routine, other describes as scary. Uh, black racist black gangs are targeting white men for hate crimes in Baltimore. Uh, 
Flash mob steals from Baltimore 7-Eleven, beats down store manager who tries to stop them. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of links here, if you don't believe it. So, hopefully, I've kind of proven the point here of what we're trying to do. And, again, it has nothing to do with racism. Okay, we're just reporting. And, again, we've got eight pages to verify this of wall-to-wall links that um, we're looking at here that I can't even possibly get through all of them unless I just read them all. And I just think that's really kind of a redundant thing. You can go here and look at them yourself um, from page 9 to page 17. I'm already at chapter 28 here um, on his book. Um, it's, it's just It's just insane. So... Chapter 36 and 37, other attacks from around the country. Um, uh, 32 gangbangers arrested in hate crime roundup for targeting whites and Latinos. Police seek robbers and baseball bat beatings. Denver police grief shooting death at officer at park and jazz concert. It's just one thing after another. So, anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that particular subject. Hopefully, we've made our point there and just stating facts. And I'm going to go ahead and end part two. And the next two parts, I'm imagining, we'll probably have two. Um, On page 17, I've got to go to page 43. We're just going to be concentrating on the prepper things that you can do. And... um, so you can have that information for your own edification. So, God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.